And I, I, just, I just believe that this morning, as we finish up this series on the gifts of the church, sorry, kids, you can go. I am going to figure this out one day. Um, that as Brent was praying, as we, as we begin to realize who and what we are in Christ, there are chains that break off. There are things that change in us. We, we cannot grow in Christ's likeness and stay the same and stay who and what we are. We have to grow and mature. And it, as we've learned Christ, Jesus has given us positions within the church to grow and mature the church, right? He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, and as we talked about last week, pastor teachers to grow the church and to mature the church. Have you ever seen an adult that's not mature? Anybody? Yeah, but would you put that on the screen? I think we know a couple of adults that are not mature. Does anybody recognize these two adults that are just not mature? And <laughs> I liked how you all laughed when the picture went up. Because it's fun to laugh at them, but nobody wants to be them, right? No, I mean, nobody wants to look at a map and go, Hey, according to the map, we've only gone three inches, right? Or, so what are the chances of a girl like you and a guy like me? And she says, million, and his response is, so you're telling me there's a chance, right? Some people just never grow up. And so Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and he says, guys, Jesus gave these gifts so that you would mature in Christ. You would grow up in Christ. What does that look like? Well, it looks like when you're out having coffee with a friend or you're on your lunch break or you're at a ball game with a friend and they mention something about God or they mention something about Jesus, you can say, you know what? Actually, the Bible says this. And you can walk them through it instead of going, man, I wish my pastor was here right now. He would know what to say. No, it's your job to grow up in the faith, to understand what to say, and then share the gospel. My job is to equip you. This is exactly what Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. Your job is to disciple others into the faith. That's your responsibility, to help people see the truth. And so when they see the truth, they're like, I want to be a part of that. And then they come into the church, and they begin to grow, and then they reach their friends. And it just keeps going so that the church becomes mature in the faith. And Paul goes on to say, as we're going to read here in just a second, Paul goes on to say, so that you're not tossed around by every wind and wave of doctrine and every wind and wave that hits society. You don't get tossed around because you know who you are, what you are, what you believe, because you've been in church and you're with the people that are helping you grow spiritually. So let's read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 14. It says this. He says, Jesus has given you all of these gifts to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up 
until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Paul's telling the church at Ephesians, he goes, listen, there are going to be people in your life that come in and they're going to say things that sound right, but they're not. And if the gifts that Jesus gave to the church, if the pastor, teachers, apostles, prophets, and evangelists are doing their work, they should be equipping you so that when you hear false information, you can, the check engine light goes on and go, oh, something's not right about that statement. Something isn't clear. And you can, you know enough to back it up with the word of God, that you can go to the word of God and say, mm, that's not quite right. That's maturity. That's growing up, right? What, why, why is it when you have a toddler and they're in the other room, they're making noise, but the minute the noise stops, what happens? Uh-oh, I'll snap. Something's going on, right? Some of you with toddlers in here are laughing because you know it's true. Because why? Because they're probably doing something they shouldn't be doing, they're trying to be secretive and quiet because they haven't matured enough to know you don't put that in your mouth. But I see Christians all the time ingesting stuff that they think is spiritual that's going to help them grow and it's really just damaging their spirit. Our job is to know the difference. And so Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he says, guys, you've got to know the difference. You've got to grow up. Because society is going to go from this extreme to that extreme, and then over here, and then over there. He goes, society is going to rock back and forth and back and forth and everything. And he said, he's saying, listen, there's going to be Christians that just follow society and rock back and forth, and they're here, and they're there, and they're over there, and they're over there, and they don't know what they believe. They just bounce around with wherever society and culture tells them to go. And he says, there has to be an anchor it's scripture, and it's time for us to grow up so that we're not being rocked by society, that we're not being pushed back and forth. And I think if there's ever a church that got it, it was Ephesus. Because when you read in Revelation chapter 2, and you read in other places in scripture, we find that the church at Ephesus understood, probably greater than any other church of that day, understood the gospel. And why wouldn't they, right? Paul founded the church at Ephesus. John, the apostle John, attended the church at Ephesus, especially after his imprisonment on the Isle of Patmos. Timothy was its pastor. Priscilla and Aquila attended there. Apollos, who was a partner with Paul, attended there. Peter would come in and speak at Ephesus. If there was one church that, like, had it and understood it, it was Ephesus. Now, in Revelation chapter 2, there's a... There's a kind of little nudge there that Jesus says, listen, you've forsaken your first love. Yeah, you know the Bible, and you know how to rightly discern the truth, but you have no love. So he kind of reprimands them a little bit and says, you need some love. They, they've kind of gone to the other extreme where knowledge puffs up, right? They knew the word of God, and they were, they were prideful in it, and they forgot love. Because the Bible tells us that knowledge puffs up, makes me think I'm smarter than I really am, 
but love builds up. The little scenario I like to use for that is knowledge puffs up like a balloon, right? And all it takes is somebody with a needle and a little bit of knowledge that you don't have and come along and pop it. But love builds. I referenced Legos last week, right? And in Legos, you build. And if I take that same needle and I push it up against the Legos, nothing happens. It doesn't collapse. It doesn't pop. They're built. And so the scripture and John tells the church at Ephesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, guys, you understand how to rightly divide the truth, but you've left love. And so what we want to be is we want to be Christians, as the Bible says, they will know us by our love. We want to be Christians that love, but it can also rightly divide the word of truth. We want to be wise as serpents, but innocent as doves, the scripture says. I remember, I remember my, my grandpa, my grandpa was like my best friend, and, I, and grandpa was an elder in the church, and he helped found the church, and uh, that we attended, and all of these different things. And I just remember going over and hanging out at my grandpa's house. And I would tell him stuff, like what's going on in college. I'd talk to him about this professor, or I'd talk to him about this person in high school. <laughs> and grandpa would just, he would sit back in his chair, and he would just chuckle. He'd laugh. Some major incident on campus, and he'd just chuckle. Because he'd been through stuff. He's like, that's, you silly 20-year-old, right? And he's like 65, 70. He's like, it'll blow over. Just stay the course. Because he'd been through things. He'd been through challenges. And he understood that what's your experience on campus? Listen, you're just, you'll be fine. Just get through it. Stay the course. Do what you know to do. Stick to scripture. Everything will be fine. He would laugh at me all the time. I'd say, oh, but there's this girl. And I just, oh. Fond over and oh my gosh, I can't. What am I gonna do if she doesn't love me? And what if she doesn't reciprocate the feelings? And he would just laugh. He's like, You were worried about way too much, you know. And he was right because I found the one. And now I look back going, Right, <laughs> he was right. People that have through things help those that are younger, and yeah, sometimes they chuckle at you. It's in love because they're like, yeah, I've been there too. And what you're going to find out is it's really just in the end, it's okay. The, the mature ones aren't getting rocked back and forth by all of the issues because they've been through things. Here's what I can tell you. People that get in church, into a local church, and stay in a local church mature faster and stronger spiritually than those who do not. Why? Go back to our scripture that we've been going through for the last several weeks. Gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers. To who? For the maturing of who? The church. Not those outside the church. Not those that are trying to figure out Christianity on their own and do their own thing. He gave them to the church. And when you're in church and you have to rub elbows with people you don't really like, but you're, you love them anyway, or a decision is made and you don't like it, but you stay anyway, that you decide to figure out how to work it out, that's maturing. As we're going to see in a little bit, 
that's what brings maturity. Not hitting the door as soon as the decision's made that you don't like. That's, that's not growing up. That's just running because you didn't like it, and it's not the way I would have done it, so I'm out. That's not maturing. Maturing is learning to work through the problems. We're going to see that in just a little bit. And so he gives these gifts to the church so that those in the church might mature and be led, he says, so that we're not rocked back and forth so that we can come to a unity of spirit. Notice a unity of spirit, not unity of doctrine and theology. Unity of spirit. There's a big difference in that. Because the person next to you isn't going to believe exactly the way you believe. But there's supposed to be unity of the Spirit. And so maturity happens in the body of Christ and in the church because the gifts were given to the church for the maturity of the church. And so if you want to grow up so that your spirit dominates your soul, which then produces out into the physical world, if you want that to happen faster, then you involve yourself in church and you begin to grow in church. The writer of Hebrews is, is writing to a particular church, and now he's writing to those that attend church. So this is directed towards you folks here today. Aren't you excited? Aren't you ready to read what the writer of Hebrews wrote? Yes! Some of you are giving me that sarcastic smile. Like, <laughs> right? All right, let's read it. He says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Now, again, he's, he's writing to church people. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Ouch. Ouch. You know, it's, it's K, you mess yourself and you need your diaper changed at six months old. It's not okay if you're 25 messing yourself and need your diaper changed. Something's not right, right? Like, there, you missed a step along the way. It's, that's not, something's not right. He said, guys, um, you've been Christians for quite a while and been attending church, and you still need people to teach you the elementary basics of your beliefs. Something's not right. In fact, he says, and there are the try he says the word try actually means to be dull lazy slothful not applying yourself guys you, he says guys you've been coming to church you sit and you listen and then boop. statistically I know this statistically from Tom Rainer 80% 80 of you will forget the vast majority of things that I say this morning by tomorrow morning. Does that make sense? Eight, you will forget about 80% of what I say by tomorrow morning. And I've even heard pastors on phone calls, why do I put so much into my sermon if 80% if of it's going to be chucked out the window by Monday morning because they're not even going to take it and walk through it and what have you. I, I, I can tell you the people that I know that are serious serious about spiritual maturity they're taking notes during the sermon now don't start scrounging oh, oh snap where's my pen and paper get my phone out quick i start taking notes past people who are serious about spiritual maturity are taking notes in the sermon they're chewing on it during the week 
They're talking about it with their friends. They're, they're talking about, to their friends about what they've just read in the gospel because they're excited. They're on fire. They want to talk about these things. They want to know more. They want to learn more. They're excited about their faith. Those are people that are on fire. And he says, guys, the writer of Hebrews says, guys, you're not even trying. You're not even, you're not even like doing anything. And then he says, you don't apply yourself. And put that verse back up there real quick. Put up verse 11. You no longer try to understand. The word understand. Are you ready? I'm, I'm going to get really deep into the Greek here. The word understand means understand. You don't try to understand it. You just get it. Oh, that was a good sermon. I really liked it. I liked that one story that he shared that almost made me cry. That was a good story. No, he says, you don't try to understand the scripture. He goes, and I want to write to you about the deeper theological things to move you on in your faith, but I can't. By now you should be like, by now you should be at the spiritual at back, bellying up to like a 20 ounce ribeye, but I'm putting formula in a bottle for you spiritually. I don't want that to be said of me, and I don't want that to be said of you, right? We shouldn't want that. He essentially just called them lazy. He just said, you guys are spiritually lazy. Ouch. I am grateful for the people in my life that have stood up to me and said, Tyson, you're just being lazy. I remember when I had my first job. I remember my first job, and it was at Arby's, all right? And I was in the back, and I'm like making sandwiches because you can't run the slicer until you're at least 18 years old. So like that was the thing you had to work for. Like, someday when I turn 18, I will be the slicer boy, right? Woo! And so I'm back there, and I'm, I'm making sandwiches, and it's like, it's, right, it's summer, and it's lunchtime rush, it's in Fishers, so we are hopping and moving, and it's crazy, They're lined, we're lined up out the door, and I'm going, and I'm like turning around at the wall behind me, looking, okay, this is how I make a chicken cordon bleu, and okay, and, and I remember the assistant manager, she said, I won't actually repeat fully what she said, because we're in church and I'm a pastor. But it involved a lot of four-letter words. And she said, you know what you're doing, just start doing it. And she got in my face. And I am thankful that she got in my face, because from that moment on, I'm like, yeah, I do got it. I do know how to make that sandwich, right? And I, we need people to lovingly get in our face from time to time and say, you should be here, but you're not. You're still back there. Or you're still here, and you need to be there. He says, by now you should be teachers. Didasco, the Greek word didasco. You should be teaching theological truths by now, is what he says. You should be you should have mastered this material so that you can teach others when you're out in the world, having coffee on your lunch breaks at ball games. You can teach the deeper theological things. He goes, but you can't. Because you should be teaching. It, some I have read where some scholars have even said that the average laity or congregation member in the church at Ephesus could teach collegiate-level theology. 
the average person sitting out there could teach theology at a college level or teach philosophy at a college level. Think about that. You know, well, yeah, I mean, if Paul founded us, Timothy was our pastor, and Peter came and spoke all the time, and John attended, and Priscilla and Aquila and Apollos, and everybody was there, why not? Because just because you got the tools don't mean you can use them. Look, I got all kinds of tools in my garage hanging up, and they look pretty. You know why they look pretty? I give you one guess. They're all neatly organized. You know why they're neatly organized? I don't use them. I don't use them. I don't, I don't, I don't. And some of them, I've got stuff that my dad gave me. I, I don't know how to use it. It's still in the same condition as it was when he brought it home from the factory. And I don't know how to use it. Now, some of you are like, well, let me get in there and show you. No, I'm never going to learn, okay? I'm the guy sitting on my tail playing Madden. I just, you know, all of the miracles that have happened in my life, you can come and count them. They're hanging on the wall. There's a drape and there's a picture. and there's, These are all miracles in my house. You guys just aren't, you guys just aren't <laughs> laughing. Thanks, honey. I appreciate that. You can have all the tools, but if you don't learn to use them, it does you no good. It doesn't do you any good. And so he says, guys, you should be, you've got all of these people in your church that understand the gospel like nobody's business. You've got to use them. They're at your disposal. Learn from them. And they go out and teach others and spread the gospel. You as a congregation member, whether, whether you're serving in children's church, greeting, running sounds, singing, whatever you're doing, cleaning toilets, your number one goal here in church is to begin to grow spiritually so that when you're out with somebody or hanging out with somebody at work, you can say, well, the Bible says that you're actually right. Do you know that Jesus said that? Hey, you know you're right. Do you know that King David said that? Do you know that the Bible actually means that? And, and then when you hear something, you can go, that, that's right or that's wrong. I don't, I don't know which. That we're growing spiritually. And then it becomes evident how do you do that? Well, you rub elbows in community in grow groups with one another. You, you rub elbows in, in grow groups. You rub elbows out in the lobby. You, prior to church, after church, you're going out to dinner with each other after church. You know, we used to like to do that. I remember growing up, like, we did that. That was like a thing. We'd go out to eat after church with other families and hang out and talk about the pastor. Not bad. But talk about what he said on Sunday night or Wednesday night or whenever. It got to be so much a thing that the local restaurant on Wednesday nights had, they knew, 99 cent dessert night. Everything on the menu that was a dessert is 99 cents because they knew when they did it, all the church people came and they were making money hand over fist because the church people all went out and hung out together. They began to, to work and talk together. Here's what we have to understand, that when we face challenges within the local body, within a church, when we face challenge in our grow groups, when we face challenges, God's purpose and guidance is not to get us to perform the right actions. His purpose is to mature us into becoming the right kind of people. Let me say this again. God's purpose and guidance is not to get us to perform right actions. His purpose is to mature us into becoming the right kind of people. We think that, okay, if I, if, if, if I just do the right thing, if I do the right action, God will be happy. God's like, no, I'm not trying to get you to do the right action. 
trying to get you to be the right person, and then out of that flows the right action. Because as long as you're trying to do the right action, it's still within your will, your ability, your power. But if I learn to be the right kind of person through God's guidance and spiritual maturity, then when it comes time to do the action, it'll just flow naturally. Because it's who I am. It's what I am. In fact, I don't think there's a greater example in all of Scripture than the Israelites coming out of Egypt. Do you remember this? That Moses goes in, let my people go, right? And he's performing these miracles, and finally Pharaoh says, okay, yes, get out of here, and don't just get out of here, take all the gold, please just go, go away, get, get out, Right? And so what happens to the people of Israel? I want to draw this for you. And the reason I want to draw this for you is because it won't happen in your life. It will happen in the life of the church you attend. It will happen in the life of the group that you are in. It's inevitable. It happens. This is called maturity. And so here, here are the people. This is Egypt. And they're here. And they're getting beat. They're getting yelled at, sworn at. They're getting treated horribly as slaves. And so they're like, yes, let's get out of here. Now, God has promised them. God has promised them. I'm just going to put an eye for Israel, but Canaan, whatever you want to call it, the promised land. And so they leave Egypt. And as they leave Egypt... They get about right here. They wandered in the desert for 40 years. They get right about here, and something happens. You know your level of spiritual maturity, because the enemy will try to stop you here. He's going to attack you internally here. Here's what happens. They start complaining. Right? They complain. It's tough out here in the desert. All we've ever had is this manna in front of our tent. And, and yeah, I mean, we don't have to cook and stuff, and our shoes haven't worn out for 20 years, but at least we knew what we were doing here. At least we had, at least here, here we had, we had a roof over our heads, and we got fed. And we were comfortable here, yet we got beat. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. It was painful, right? But at least there was comfort, some form. We adapted. There was comfort here. So you know what happens? Every step of maturity has this. You start to mature and grow out of where you were and the change becomes so hard to make and so difficult to make that we start complaining and we say, you know what, I'd just rather go back to being comfortable. I know we'll die here and our kids will die here and my grandkids will die here, but I'd rather be comfortable than have to make the change. It happens to everybody. It happens to every church. It happens to every individual. It happens to every family. The Bible says... Because they complained so much. At this stage, you know where they were at this stage? They were at Canaan. They were here. And then 
Moses sends in 12 spies to spy out the land. Do you remember this? If you're, if you're new to church, let me explain this to you. Moses says, okay, we got to figure out how to take this land. we got to figure out how to take this land. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to send in 12 spies. And 12 spies go in. And for nearly two, two months or so, they are in there spying out the land, acting like one of the citizens. And they come back to Moses. And 10 out of the 12 go, they are huge. We will never conquer those people. We will never win. We will never defeat them. And then there's two out of the 12. Joshua and Caleb go, if God wants us to have it, we can take it. Let's go in and take it. Joshua and Caleb were ready to go. The other 10 were not ready to move from where they were. And Numbers chapter 14, verses 29 through 30 tells us this. In the wilderness, your bodies will fall, and every one of, every one of you 20 years old or more who is counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, the son of Jephune, and Joshua, the son of Nun. What's God telling the Israelites? He goes, every single one of you, they're 20 years of age and older, who came out of Egypt, and all you've done is complain and gripe, and I just want to go back where it's comfortable. I, I know I'm getting beat, and I know there's things over there that cause pain, and I know we're all going to die, but at least we have this. I would rather go back there than keep marching on here, because it's just too difficult and too hard. You know what God says? God says, okay, every single one of you that came out, you are not making it to the promised land. And guess who was a part of that generation? Moses. Moses did not go into the promised land. Because they were too busy complaining about, you remember the good old days? You remember how this, oh, this is so great. I know we, oh, it's just so wonderful. If we could just go back here. And what happens? Do you know of the ten spies, only two actually settled in Canaan? Guess who the two were? Joshua and Caleb. Because they had vision. They were willing to go through the difficult time and mature and get to the promised land. I don't care if you're trying to change a habit. I don't care if you're trying to change a mindset or a belief. I don't care if you're trying to change a desire or a lust or you name it. This is going to happen. At some point, you're going to go, this is too hard. I know I'll die back there, but at least I have a roof over my head. Let me just say this. Grandview and River. You're sitting right here right now. You're sitting right here. There's a journey happening. You either get to the promised land, or you can say, no, let's just go back to where it was, because at least I knew what to expect. It's a decision all of us have to make. It's a decision that every church has to make. It's called maturity. Part of maturing is getting from here to there. Part of maturity is, is moving forward to say, I don't understand. I don't know where God's leading us. But I know this. I'm not going to be like the people of Israel and complain. Because going back here is painful. Think about it. Let me talk to the river just for a minute. You want to go back to setting up every Sunday? What, nobody jumped up and said, yes, me? <laughs> okay, no, right? Grandview, you have your own things. Grandview, you have your own things. You want to go back? 
when we march together and say, we can grow, we can do this, we figured this out. The decision's ours. Take it at a personal level. What is it you're trying to change about yourself? Do you want to go back? Want to live with the pain? Want to go back into the abusive relationship? Well, at least I know he loves me. Really? Really? Love doesn't do that. Love doesn't, love doesn't respond that way. Affection will. I'm currently reading The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis, and here's what he says about affection. There's two types of affection. There's need affection, and there's giving affection. What you're saying is I need that affection even if it beats me and even if it kills me. It's a sad place to be. God wants us to move. God wants you to move from here or there. Spiritual maturity does not come from enduring hardships. Spiritual maturity comes from applying the word of God in hardships. It's the people of Israel saying, God has promised us Canaan. I know it looks like a desert right now, and I know it doesn't make sense, and I know it's confusing, but God has promised Canaan, and I choose Canaan over Egypt. God gave Moses a word, but they didn't buy into it. And so they died off in the wilderness. And God said, I'll take the new generation, 20 and under, I'll take them into Canaan. Because they'll follow Joshua and Caleb, and they'll march in to the promised land. Take the word of God in your situation and begin to apply it. If you're struggling with lust, take the word of God and apply it. If you're struggling with anxiety, take the word of God and apply it. If you're struggling with loving someone more, take the word of God and apply it. Learn, memorize those scriptures. Begin to just absorb it like a dry sponge. And watch yourself begin to mature spiritually. Too many people are like, I, I, I don't know where to start. Start where you're at. Start where you're at. Your thing is that you have to get from here to there. From here to there. Is your marriage here? It's time to get it to there. Is your lust here? Then it's time to get it to there. Do you know what the difference is between here and there? Here? There. In the middle? just air there's nothing here there's nothing here you're just progressing through drop the h pick up the th or just add t right you've got to move from here to there look at your neighbor and say i'm here look at your other neighbor and say but i'm going there now how many of you know where there is how do you even know right now you can say, I know where there is, and that's where I'm going? Then you've got to move. Some of you are like, I don't even know where I'm at. What's the address? <laughs> right? You've got to move from here to there. But you'll never move from here to there until you get through this part. Because the enemy will come along and say, go back to shore. Where, when did the enemy send the storm? At the beginning when they were getting in the boat? Well, when they were out in the middle of the lake and Jesus is asleep. If I can kill you in the middle, you'll look like a failure to everybody because everybody saw the step of faith you took. If I kill you here, ain't going to matter. If I kill your dreams here, ain't going to matter. You're just starting, nobody's going to notice. But if I can kill you here, you'll look like a failure to everybody. 
And that's your fear of stepping out. That's why you haven't stepped out. Because you're afraid I'm going to step out, and at some point I'm not going to make it, and I'm not going to succeed. You need to stop listening to Satan and stop listening to the demonic lies that are in your head because you are more than an overcomer. One of you know it. You're more than an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. The Bible says you're the head and not the tail. The Bible says that you're seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Now, if I'm seated with Jesus in heavenly places in my spirit, then that means whatever this earth throws at me, I don't have to worry about. This world's passing anyway. Have you not figured that out? Like, you guys, you got to get from here to there, but you won't step out because you're afraid of this spot right here. So let me tell you how to beat this spot right here. Just keep walking. Just keep marching. Just keep going. You'll get through this. Every church will get through this if they choose to. Every person will get through this if they choose to. You've got to go for it. You can't sit back and do nothing. Listen. You don't have to be a professional to be successful with a product. Google was started by an amateur. Apple was started by an amateur. The Titanic was built by professionals. You don't have to be a professional to get from here to there. How many of you want to get from here to there? Some of you are like thinking, I don't, I don't know where here is, and I don't know where there is. Well, I pray that this week you would find out and you begin to grow spiritually. Because I can assure you, when you start reading your Bible more, which, by the way, FYI, less than 20% of all Christians read their Bible daily. This isn't in my notes. I'm just going to share this real quick. Is that okay? And then we're going to close. Brittany, you can come on up. 19%, this is, this is according to LifeWay Research, 19% of all Christians read their Bible. Eighteen percent rarely or never read their Bible. Twenty-two percent read it once a month. Fourteen percent once a week. And twenty-six percent a few a few times a week. Now keep that in mind, and then think about this: ninety percent of all Christians, though, say they desire to please God. 90% desire to please God, but less than 20% read their Bible every day. Now, I'm not saying that reading your Bible every day should be an act of work. Here's where you're at. Well, I, I don't read my Bible every day. Here's where you, God, give me a stronger desire to read your word. God, give, increase my desire to be closer to you. That's it. Just pray that every day. Watch what happens over the course of three months, six months, a year. That will get you from here to there. And don't err in the middle. Right? Let's stand up. I'm going to be up here to pray with you this morning. If you're wanting to, whatever, if you need prayer for anything, I'm going to mask up and I'm going to pray for you. But I want you to know this. God has called you to spiritual maturity to get you from here to there so that spiritually you don't look like the picture of the two guys we showed at the start. We have enough of those people spiritually. 
We need some spiritual people that know the word, rightly discern the word of truth, and can help others. Brent. Sing that with me. Because I'm no longer a slave to fear. For I am a child of God. Sing it out. And I'm no longer a slave to fear, for I am a child of God. Can you see your bars this morning? You unravel me with the melody. You surround me with the song. Of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. Sing it. Cause I'm no longer a slave to fear. And I am a child of God free. Oh, I'm no longer a slave to fear. And I am a child of God. God's chosen you for a time like this. And from my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Oh, love has called your name. And we've been born again into his family. His blood flows through our veins sing it and I'm no longer a slave to fear hallelujah and I am a child of God break those chains and I'm no longer a slave to fear cause I am a child of God I am child of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here today. God, as we walk out of this room today, may we move from here to there, not afraid of what's in the middle, not grumbling and complaining about things, but just trusting you along the way, knowing that in the end, you will make all things work out for good for those that are called according to your purpose. We thank you for that, Lord. As we come back together next week, we talk about love and the gifts that you've given us. As we reconvene on Valentine's Day, may we bring our loved ones with us as we explore the love and the gift in relationships to strengthen the relationships that we have. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Amen. You guys have a great week.